0: Hey, Hug Church, this is Justin, and we're on episode number 97. We're almost at 100, and just want to say thank you for joining in on our podcast. Man, it's been a heavy and anxious week, and I've chatted, texted, FaceTime so many of you guys. And you know what? We're going to continue to pray for our church and for our nation and for our community. Hey, just want to also say, say thank you for your continued support for Hug's vision. If you would like to give, please go online at hugchurch.com give. Your support is so helpful for us to just keep these services running, keep our podcast running, and supporting our community. Um, well, this week, we are continuing on our Love Justice series, and I'm excited to introduce you a brand new speaker. He's a member, a friend, a wonderful artist. You can find him on Spotify as St. Kenneth, TikToker, Instagrammer, awesome influencer. And he just took a part-time position at uh, as a youth pastor at a local Methodist church, so congrats. So without further ado, here is Kenneth Chang. Hey, Hug Church. I want to say it's such an honor to share the Word of God today. One of the most beautiful things about this ministry is the level of hospitality you demonstrate towards those who come into this ministry looking for a spiritual home. I have been on the receiving end of this welcome, and I just want to say thank you to each of you for your kindness and love throughout the years. Another beautiful thing about Hug Church is its diverse membership and the embrace of all cultures, which is something I know this church is committed to continue to do. As an Asian American Christian, I cherish churches that strive to champion voices for people of color. Because in my experience, growing up in the church meant that most of the theology taught to me was heavily focused on interpretations of white male dominated theologies. And while I believe we should continue to honor these contributions, we must listen to interpretations of scripture from as many diverse interpretations as possible, particularly from those voices we tend to ignore in society. And as a church, we must continue to champion these voices. Today, I would like to talk about a complex topic. It's about racism towards Asian Americans. When it comes to racism in America, the most intense forms of these evils are acted out towards our black and brown brothers and sisters, and native for that matter. It's in the very structure of how this nation was built. And so it makes perfect sense that a conversation about racism would tend to elevate the protest from these particular voices. But while Asian Americans are also victims of racism, many times we aren't given a place at the table to discuss these issues. This is due to so many factors, but the first two that come to mind is that certain harmful stereotypes seek to pit Asian Americans against other ethnicities, aka the model minority myth. But it's also due to the fact that some Asians, myself included, internalize racism in a way where they don't need the they don't see the need to speak out. So today, I humbly ask you to join me as we use a biblical lens to grapple with the complex topic of racism against Asian Americans. First, some stats. Asian Americans have the highest educational attainment out of any group in the US. More than 50% of Asian Americans over the age of 25 have a bachelor's degree or higher. So it could be master's, doctorate, MD, PhD, you name it. Now that makes sense, like my parents and um, many of your parents, I'm I'm sure many of you will say education was very important to prepare your children for a successful future career. And yet, according to research gathered by the Harvard Business Review, Asian Americans are the least likeliest group in the U.S. to be promoted to management. In a recent study by the National EEOC workforce data, it showed that Asian Americans are the least likeliest group to be promoted to positions of leadership, like managerial, executive positions. Now, these are at, at the companies like the ones we find in Silicon Valley. However, analysis data shows that Caucasian peers are twice as likely to be promoted to management than their Asian counterparts. Another study by Yale Law School, and the National Asian Pacific American Bar Association, that's a tongue twister, shows that Asian Americans make more than 10% of the graduates from the top 30 law schools. However, they have the highest rate of attrition from their law careers and the lowest ratio of partners in a law firm to associate positions amongst every racial group. Let's think about this one. The New York Times reported that Harvard University was under investigation because they consistently rated Asian American applicants lower than any other, uh, lower than others on traits like positive personality, likability, courage, kindness, and check this out, rated them lower on being widely respected, whatever that means. Now, this is according to analysis of more than 160,000 student records, and by the way, isn't having a positive personality, likeability, courage, kindness, and being widely respected traits needed to be considered a leader? Or how about this? Let's go into a specific case study. And you guys can email me. We can debate this or not. But Jeremy Lin, the quintessential student athlete, every Asian dad's dream, Jeremy was given the honors of Northern California Player of the Year and yet was offered no Division I scholarships, Times Magazine writer Sean Gregory pointed out this was due to racial profiling. Nevertheless, Jeremy got got accepted to Harvard and became three-time all-conference player in the Ivy League. Lynn finished his career as the first player in the history of the Ivy League to record at least 1,450 points. Fran Fraschilla of ESPN named Lynn one of the 12 most versatile players in college basketball. And yet... Lynn was not drafted by the NBA. Even Commissioner David Stern said that it was probably because of discrimination, whether it was from because he was from Harvard or because he was Asian. However, Jeremy eventually joined the NBA, and he was bounced around from team to team until, of course, he landed in New York. And it's in that place he showed the whole world that he was a sensational player. But during his career, he experienced racist comments from, like, from ESPN commentators who referred to him as a chink in the armor whenever he played bad. Or when Floyd Mayweather Jr. said that the only reason Lin was getting hype was because he was Asian. Despite everything, Jeremy played with heart and integrity. However, eventually at the end of Lin's challenging career with the NBA, he publicly grieved, I feel like the NBA has given up on me. Now, Statistics and testimonies are important because they show us patterns. When we follow this pattern, we we see a trend that is very troubling. Despite qualifications, Asian Americans are not seen as capable of leadership. Despite living here and contributing greatly to this country, Asian Americans are seen as foreigners who aren't widely respected. Are our kids less capable of being leaders? Do we deserve to be rated lower on being widely respected? You see, racism attacks the very nature of one's identity. And the topic of identity is crucial to scripture. Therefore, racism is a biblical issue. Racism is a biblical issue. Simply put, these statistics reveal that people have bought into a lie. It is a lie that we aren't as valuable as other Americans. And what lies do is they trap people. Lies trap people. So the question we have to ask right now is what kind of future do you want for your children? What kind of future do we want for ourselves? Is it a future where the lies win or a future where the truth sets us free? In our passage today, Jesus says in John 8, 31 through 32, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But in our passage, pay attention to the responses of Jesus' audience. This is from verse 33 and onward. They answered him, We're descendants of Abraham, and we have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be made free? Notice these people didn't think they needed to be freed. But more interesting is that they claim that they've never been slaves to anyone. Now, does that strike any of you as odd? This response should be very strange to anyone who's gone to Sunday school because Israel's history has so many periods of slavery and captivity. I mean, one of the most important stories being the Exodus where God uses Moses to lead the Israelites out of slavery from Egypt. In fact, in Deuteronomy 6.12, God commands, be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery from Egypt. God commanded his people to never forget their time as slaves. But here's what's worse about the situation. The people in this crowd at that current time were actually subjects of the Roman Empire which is another form of slavery. So here's their history of slavery and their current reality in slavery. And yet they say, what do you mean, Jesus? We've never been slaves. We don't, we don't need freedom. How is this possible? I'll tell you how. The only reason it's possible is because they found comfort in their current reality. They have fully accepted the identity that comes with living in comfort under a Roman-occupied world. This is life, this is our identity. So instead of challenging the way it is, they fully embraced it. In fact, during that time, uh, commentators will show that many Jewish political and religious leaders worked very hard to reach positions in that world that provided a comfortable protection from the most vicious parts of the Roman occupation. They thought, listen, if I work hard, play by the rules of Rome, they can find security in their oppression. For example, some Jews decided they wanted to be tax collectors for Rome because that would put them in a more favorable position to Rome. But it was a security based on a lie. And that was the lie that trapped them. They chose favorable positions in bondage over freedom that Jesus was offering them because they didn't think they needed it. And so they adopted an identity-given by Rome, rather than one given by God. Because honestly, it's easier that way. It is. I'm not going to lie. But Jesus said to them, if you follow my word, you will know that the truth would set you free. Set them free from the lie that their ultimate identity is determined by Rome. This is the lie that trapped them. Now, we've actually seen this before. Let's go back to the story of Exodus. Moses leads the people out of Egypt. But when the freed people feel the discomfort of the desert, they said, oh gosh, if we can only go back to Egypt. How could a free people wish they were back in oppression? It's because they believe their core identity was the one Egypt gave them. And they were trapped by this lie. And God utilized 40 years of the desert to free them from that lie. And that's why after freeing the Hebrew people God commanded them remember that you are slaves you were slaves in Egypt and God as God I freed you They were commanded to teach this identity to their kids and their kids for generation and generation to come why so that they will never adopt their core identity from any oppressive power. I'll say that one more time. They were supposed to remember this so that they would never adopt any core identity from these oppressive powers. Egypt doesn't get to determine who the people of God are. Babylon doesn't get to define them, nor does Rome. Instead, their core identity from generation to generation is we are the Hebrew people who God saved from bondage. Rather than being ashamed of their history, God wanted them to embrace it as a fundamental core identity of who they are. The Hebrew identity was originally formed through an act of salvation, meaning there are no chosen people of God without a savior. That's their identity. And so when Jesus said to the crowds, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Do you know what truth that is? Do you know what truth he's referring to? The truth is that the same God that freed them from the hands of Egypt, the same God who led them through the desert, the same God who broke the chains of bondage again and again and again, this same God was standing right in front of them in the flesh. But here's the clincher. This same God took on the body of a refugeed, marginalized man, also under the slavery of Rome. And this is the truth that sets us free. Our Savior takes on slavery so that his people would have ultimate freedom. And by the very nature of being Jewish in a Roman world where Jews were dehumanized, we can easily conclude that Jesus and his people were victims of structural racism. And if the claim of Jesus is that he is the Savior of all our sin, that means he frees us from all forms of bondage, including the bondage of racism. As Christians who have been adopted into the children of Abraham, we too remember that our spiritual ancestors were enslaved in Egypt and that our God freed them. And this same God is our God. Now, I know America is not Egypt, and it's definitely not Rome. Racism is a very complex subject. So please think of this sermon as a conversation starter as we pray into how to engage this. The truth is, I love this country. This will forever be my home. In fact, it is because I love America that I demand we do better. But this doesn't mean that racism towards Asian Americans doesn't exist, or it doesn't hurt our children or us. Just because we're not physically chained doesn't mean we are not in bondage. So we can't afford to say the same thing that the crowds say to Jesus. What do you mean we need to be freed? Because in the same way that some Jews were trapped by the internalized false identity Rome gave them, in the same way the Hebrew slaves were trapped by the internalized false identity Egypt gave them, we too can get trapped by the false identity America gives us. One of these identities is the idea that we are perpetual foreigners in this country. For a long time, Asians were portrayed in film and television as exotic foreigners with funny accents and strange costumes. No matter how assimilated we've become to American culture, I mean, you guys know the joke, right? The tiring questions of where are you from? L.A.? No, where are you really from? But now this has turned into an ugly reality, especially when the coronavirus hit. Suddenly, Asian restaurants and businesses, particularly ones in Chinatown, were hit, were were being avoided because people were afraid that they would get the virus. And between March and June of this year, over 2,000 anti-Asian hate incidents were reported all across America. People have been called the China virus, and worse, there have been people who were physically attacked, even children. That number has now gone up drastically. Suddenly, we're this foreign enemy in a country we call home. Asian leaders all throughout the US, Republican and Democrat, pleaded with President Trump not to use the word China virus because it can cause more violence, but he continued to use it. But here's something that's really shocking to me. A resolution to denounce anti-Asian sentiment during COVID was introduced to the US House of Representatives. And 164 Republican representatives voted no to this resolution. They voted no to condemning racism to Asians in 2020. But here's the thing about racism. So many Asian-American stories reveal that a lot of people tend to internalize this. And this goes for any ethnicity across the board. So personally, with my background, I actually understand why a group of Jewish leaders with a certain level of comfort want to deny their own painful history and reality. It's because I did that before. I internalized my racism. In my 20s, as an Asian American, I wanted, okay, not I wanted, but I was ashamed to be associated with anything that would make me seem more foreign, whether that was language, food, customs. I was just so afraid of people judging me for being Asian and taking the things I saw on TV and putting that on me I was trying to kind of distance myself from that. Additionally, history books didn't teach about racism against my people. No one taught me that there was a rich Asian American activism history in America, that the word Asian American was actually coined through social justice movements that sought to recognize us as being humans when at once in this country, we were also considered less than. And so another one of these ideologies that trap us is what sociologists call the model minority myth. The myth basically says that all Asian-Americans are these quiet, subservient, law-abiding immigrants who through very hard work attains the American dream and have been accepted by American society. Viet Wen in Time Magazine says this, how could we have anything valid to feel or say about race? When we, as a model minority, were supposedly accepted by American society. That's the lie. You guys aren't marginalized. There are no poor Asians. You don't experience prejudice. It's a lie from the pit of hell. The myth erases our painful history. Our Chinese neighbors who were massacred and lynched on public streets in the 1800s. Our Japanese neighbors who were put into concentration camps in the 1940s. And during the 1992 Los Angeles riots, 2,200 Korean businesses were looted, set on fire, and destroyed, while our cries for help were ignored by the LAPD. This false identity of the myth tells us that this history doesn't matter to us. Deny it by ignoring it. We might be tempted to ask, what do you mean, Jesus, we need to be freed? And this is what's so twisted about this particular lie. The model minority myth seeks to trap other ethnicities as well when these false stereotypes are used to downplay the injustice faced by them. Racism? What do you mean racism? Look at the Asians. They got it together. In this same way, lies trap us all. And so Jesus says the same thing to us as he said to his people 2,000 years ago. If you know the truth, the truth will set you free. I want to declare yes. Lord, set us free. Set us free from these lies. We reject these lies. In the same way Jesus sets his people free from the bondage of racism, he sets us free as well. Because the truth is that this Savior has been setting people free since the day of Exodus. That's the very nature of who this God is. The same savior of God's people is our savior right now. Israel's core identity is that we are Hebrew people saved by God from all forms of bondage. Our core identity is that we are proud Asian Americans who have been set free by Jesus from all forms of bondage. Ethics professor Dr. Hak-Joon Lee, who edited Intersecting Realities, writes this, The biblical figures found God as a personal and faithful God, the covenantal God who never deserted them despite their internal shortcomings or external challenges. They overcame adversities by trusting God. God's love, listen to this, God's love was the inner protection against various dehumanizing forces pressing against them. As the church, I believe we have an opportunity here. Do you see it? Right now, our kids and our young adults can be prepared to face any dehumanizing forces that are against them because we have the most powerful truth in the world. Our calling is not simply to be successful in a society that wants to find comfort in our bondage. Our calling is to help transform society by sharing this truth that sets all people free. So as Moses went to Pharaoh to declare freedom, we raise our voice to declare freedom for all God's children. Our voices speak the truth that defeats the lies that trap any American to believe that they are less worthy simply because of race. We take this truth as we go to vote. We take this truth as we get involved in our communities. We take this truth as we get involved in how policies are made. Through the power of Christ, we declare that God proudly loves our ethnicity and saves us and sets us free from all forms of bondage. Hug church, can you hear me? Sweating in this room. You are uniquely and wonderfully made, my brothers and sisters, and nothing in this world can take that away from you. Lastly, We remember that our struggle with racism is part of a larger history of racism that is intensely experienced by our black, brown, and native brothers and sisters. And that the same God that fights to free us, fights to free them and calls us to join that fight for freedom. So, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for gathering us here today to wrestle lord with this complex issue of racism and yet many times lord we aren't aware of the lies we've internalized in our hearts that you seek to set free set us free from you tell us lord that we are our beautiful unique ethnic selves whose core identity are people that have been saved and set free. And so, Lord, we proclaim that today as we, as a community, come together to pray and to worship and to live out this freedom. We pray, Lord, that we give others the courage to do the same. We thank you, Lord, that our freedom and our salvation comes from you, and that you will continue to fight on your people's behalf. We thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, amen.